and welcome to our podcast, friends. We're doing it, Matt. We're going to make a podcast. So uh, welcome to Ballot Boxing, where Matt and Christina, friends you don't know yet, talk about the Oscar Best Picture nominees. Usually Matt and I try to watch all 10 nominees prior to the Oscars airing, discuss them amongst ourselves. So now we're just going to record those discussions. Yes, drop in. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. It's it's called ballot boxing because we are going to verbally spar over the candidates. Discussion will be a plenty. Fantastic. Well, let's get started. Hi, Matt. Good evening, darling. <laughs> so we uh, we watched her. We did. It was very long. That's not to say I didn't like it. I, I, I liked it, everybody. You can you can stop holding your breath now. Christina liked it. This is another one we both liked. I'm like Mikey. Did Mikey like it? Mm. Christina liked it. So we uh, this was a film that uh, we missed our opportunity to see in the theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we were searching out our options and where we could find it. And we ultimately, I, I had an opportunity to buy it about a month ago. And you missed for it. For $20. And I didn't take it. Classic Matt. And uh, yeah, I had buyer's remorse and it stayed on my mind. And then non-buyer's remorse. And then I had a Miser's lousy remorse. Miser's remorse. Yeah. And I had a, I had a really lousy day at work mm -hmm. and uh, I needed some retail therapy, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We call it that. So I, I went to our local um, music and movie store, which still exists. We have one in our mall and uh, I picked up a copy. It happened to be deeply on sale on Blu-ray. And then it sat because we had other movies that we wanted to get through. And, and it, was, it was like, it was like the telltale heart. Like I knew it was downstairs. <laughs> I knew it was there. You could hear her directing. Yeah. And I like, there'd been so much good conversation around this movie, so much good press and publicity. Mm -hmm. um, the podcasts that we listened to were all effusive in their praise of this film. And uh, I had a real sense that I was going to like it. And maybe we saved the best for last. Um, this was the last of the 10 for me to see. I was going to say, this is not my last. No, you've still got one more to go. I still have Banshees. But I've seen them all now. Yep. And um, we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this, again, this is something that I really like this one. And you did too, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, so why don't we get into it? Okay. Okay. So maybe we'll, get a, we'll do a plot summary to get started. Sure. Let's do a plot summary. Okay. Do you want to take, sure, the, I can, take the honors uh, this time? I can do it. Uh, okay, so I'll interrupt, of course, as, yeah, please as necessary. Do. Lydia Tarr is our main character, and she is a gifted, famous, well-regarded uh, conductor that has traveled the world conducting all of the great uh, orchestras, and has cur is currently residing in Berlin. Um, and the movie opens with her being interviewed by an actual New Yorker journalist that I actually like I've heard his voice before although I don't know that I've seen him and uh she just comes across as very cultured very well spoken very confident she's a lesbian she's married they have a child um and she seems like she really has it all together in a way that not many people do um and you do get the impression from the beginning that there are that perhaps there are some unsettling problems below the surface there's a little bit of an attitude and a little bit of um conceit i think about her character yeah her whole world is music right mm -hmm. yeah but just even the way she speaks to people is really condescending in some cases well yeah like the burden of being really brilliant yes. is that everybody is tiresome yes you know what that's like uh, every day and uh and and it, it it follows her through 
what ends up, spoiler alert. Uh, are we going to spoil this one? I, well, yeah. We've been spoiling all of the movies, haven't we? Yes, and, really? and just for the record, okay. I Nobody's complaining? I didn't come today with an email address. So I'm sorry. We'll have it for our last episode, I guess. And yeah. people can email what they thought about the whole About thing. the totality of the project. That's yeah. right. Well, here's what I thought. But um, I did I did receive a text from a new listener who is also a colleague of mine. Uh, and she really liked that we spoiled Triangle of Sadness. She said the podcast would have sucked without spoiling it. Ah. So there's some feedback. Okay. Shout out to Liz and Josh. Okay. So we're, how about mild spoilers without specific? Uh, specific sure facts well, here. Uh, i don't even know if i can do that so there's there's an accusation yes um well can i tell it what happens like where the accusation comes from why it happens yeah okay so so uh there's like this sort of a couple she's a of, complicated personal life she's a complicated personal life there's a couple of strange things that happen that you think oh where is this leading and then uh there's a suicide and there are some accusations made about the suicide and she sort of has to find her way through that and that's that's like the first half is her being amazing and the second half is her being less amazing and it seems like there's this motif in her life where she finds younger protégés and brings them along and there's a question of whether or not she's grooming them or not but she's like at the moment when we meet her she's sort of she's got an assistant who clearly adores her um the woman that she's married, I don't know if she's married to her, but she's she cohabitating with and co-parenting with. They call her her wife in the interview with the New Yorker guy. Okay. Um, she she was a reclamation project. Mm -hmm. They'd conspired in some way to get her the lead violin chair in the mm -hmm. Berlin Symphony. Mm -hmm. um, so she seems seemingly goes from woman to woman. She has infatuations with women musicians, mm -hmm. talented women musicians, and brings them along and then cuts people loose. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, there's a, a jilted former colleague, student, possibly lover, although that's never really confirmed. I feel like it is confirmed. I feel like in that one scene where she's dreaming about them, mm. it it's confirmed. I think that one is the only one that's confirmed. Okay. There's a lot of innuendo about, there's, there's actually no um, proof. And I think that part of the point of the movie, which we'll get to later, but part of the point of the movie is these accusations can happen and even without proof they are career and life ruiners yeah and that in some cases even with proof um they aren't going to change the behavior of the person involved no. the perpetrator there they are yeah yeah so in this movie i thought it was really interesting actually that they didn't show us they didn't do a flashback where she was taking advantage of young female musicians um and you know there's uh we'll talk about the act it's a lot of it's subtextual a lot of it's very, like yeah very not on the surface and i think that's important because then at the end you're like well did she do it like what mm. did was it just a relationship gone wrong and it was a jilted lover situation or like just because she had an affair doesn't make her a bad person but is she using her power and wielding it over people then we need to have a harvey weinstein talk right and i like i never got the sense that she was that monstrous where i, just I, I she was cruel and blunt Mm. and unforgiving and fickle mm -hmm. in her um affections i did i did get that impression i thought this woman is a monster below the surface mm. for sure like she's just too it was almost that she was too put together in her life and that she was so easily able to hide everything that she was doing or that we suspect her of doing well and there wasn't maybe there wasn't all that much depth to her ultimately right like yeah. she's she's all surface like mm -hmm. she's she's what she presents which is a severe and austere woman mm -hmm. intensely focused on her craft mm -hmm um and she doesn't really have any deep abiding feelings for anybody mm -hmm. or anything except the music mm -hmm. um, and i think sex which again you never see her have no. 
anything remotely she's she's clearly she becomes infatuated in, over the course of the movie with a young cellist. prodigious cellist 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 really Did i say it right the first I time i think it's with a t yeah cellist yeah right okay oh boy and um <laughs> who's russian and like she's clearly fantasizing about her or like don't do accents christina yeah please don't <laughs> that was jamaican what you just no it didn't was not <laughs> anyway um she uh there's there's clearly like some lusty glances yeah but they don't even touch mm, i think she's grooming her yeah i think we're seeing the grooming process happening with her and the you know, well, everybody else seems to think so. Yes, I think so too. And I'm maybe with part the of it is that, like, that our, our perspective is is Lydia's perspective. I don't think that's true. I think our perspective is. I read that in your notes, and I don't agree with you at all. I don't think our our if our perspective was, was Lydia's perspective, there would have been flashbacks. Our perspective is the. Oh my god, I'm an English major. I don't know what it is. Like the the third person in the room. Like we are very much omniscient. The, the omniscient, the audience perspective in this. We are not seeing it through the eyes of any one character. You don't think there's a bias in in favor of her? I don't. Oh, I don't. No, I thought she was a monster. How could there be bias for her if, if she's being if if I think she's a monster? I I didn't find well, that. Well, that because there's a I think there's a fundamental question that I'll ask later. Okay. Ooh. It's a it's a it's a man woman thing, isn't it? No. Oh. Okay. No, uh, just a fundamental question about what the what Todd Field, the director, was trying to achieve. Okay, well, we'll percolate um, on that. Yeah. Let's get, let's, let's go to a short break. And then we'll come back with the things that you liked and didn't like. Is that enough of a synopsis? I think so. Okay, all right. We'll come back in a minute, folks. Okay, folks, we're back. Okay, so just before we get into what's good about it, I think it's worth noting. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is something that's good about it, but it's Todd Field is a, isn't a, very very good filmmaker and this is a very well directed film agreed yeah um his i'm familiar with at least one of his previous films there's a movie called in the bedroom that he made uh and it stars um i'll get them all right here it stars marissa tomei mm -hmm. tom wilkinson sissy spacek nick stall my twin and william I think his name is Map Hother or App Hother. For the duration of this podcast season, I would like you to refer to Sissy Spacek as Christina's twins. Sissy yeah. Spacek. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years older. That's right. Um, and uh, like that was a very complex and very moving, deeply moving and deeply felt film. And he hasn't made a movie in quite a long time. Um, and this is sort of a, he's burst back on the scene with Tar. And he, I think it's a, an amazing effort and if we just wanted to have a quick digression and talk about best director um we have now I, seen i've oh, seen them all no, I haven't. yeah and um you know with apologies to mr spielberg um i've got him at the bottom <laughs> i've got him at the bottom of my list right now um and uh i think what the daniels achieved in everything everywhere all at once is it lacked restraint, and I think that is a detriment to the film. Whereas Todd Field's efforts here in Tar, mm. it's so precise mm -hmm. um, and so very, measured. It's very tight. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I, I like that. Um, and he wrote the film as well. And he wrote it specifically for Kate Blanchett. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I just, I, 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 he's my leading candidate for for best director. So that you can want to, mm. that's my my prop bet pick on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's 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 talk about what's good. I do want to talk about one more thing though. Okay. Just I, I do want to do a bonus episode because side note about the so Matt and I watch all the Oscar nominees. Well, we try. We've never done it before, but this year we're going to. So other years we've we've tried to watch as many as we can, and then we print out one of those online ballots. We print it out, folks. That's how old we are. And then we 
we actually like mark take, the ballots, mark the ballots, and take turns back and forth. Okay, best director Matt go first, and then best actor I go first, and Matt always lets me choose first what which one I'm going to choose. So I, I usually get one extra of my first choice. Um, and last year I think we did. Well, often you, we'll, we'll you pick you pick your your best, and then the other person gets the field. Gets the field, yeah. So I'll, like I would pick. I mean, for instance, I would pick Todd Field. Yeah, that's complicated because we said you get the field, but that's not what we're talking about here. So I would take Todd Field as best director, and you'd get the remaining four nominees. That's right. And and uh, last year, I don't know if you remember what happened. Do you remember what happened last year? You crushed me. Did I crushed? So I'm hoping for a big comeback this year. But I do think we should do a bonus episode where we record us debating, like you know, we what filling out our ballots. I think that would be fun for people. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, again, digress. A digression. Uh, Todd Field wrote this for Kate Blanchett, and then when. Kate Blanchett's agent, there's this IMDb uh, right. story, uh, called to let him know that he wouldn't be able to film it for three years. He crashed his car. And then they felt so bad that they like made room in her schedule to make this. And didn't that work out well for her? Yes. And mm -hmm. that's that leads us a nice segue into what's excellent about this Professional movie. Professional segues. It's a, a long one. Um, a long, a, um, it is a long list of things that we like. Yes, go ahead. Uh, the lead performance is astonishing. Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett is she going in? She is Lydia Tarr. Yeah. Um, Even though she doesn't look like Kate Blanchett, it's weird. How I, I, I said to you last night when we were watching it, it's I mean, Lydia Tarr is not a real person. No, I know that. Okay. But she's got like she just doesn't look like Kate Blanchett looks. No, she's very chameleon like that. Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett is an actress who can seemingly do everything. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you forget that it's her. And. What I liked about it is it's not showy in the sense that it, she's happy and sad and uh, screaming and bellowing and, and doing a little bit of everything. She mm -hmm. is just entirely, consistently, absolutely this character. Mm -hmm. And it is totally believable. There are tiny little subtle things that she does, the way she brushes off her shoulders, and the way she, she applies. She, and she picks her ear. Yeah. She constantly puts her hair behind her ear and then picks at her ear. The way she applies hand sanitizer. Yes, before uh, she takes a pill. Yeah. Um, the... The way that she sort of scoffs, um, everything is very measured, very mm -hmm. particular, and very lived in. Mm -hmm. like, everything's a choice, and the choices all seem to make sense. Mm -hmm. And this is a really, really good performance, mm -hmm. like really good. And I, with apologies again to the other actresses in the field here, um, I can't see how she doesn't take the trophy home. See, and I and this will be her third, yes, which puts her in pretty exclusive company. And from her speech at, mm, I'm not sure, the Golden Globes, I think, yeah. she doesn't even want to win. No, she was effusive with praise for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, and I hope Michelle Yeoh still wins, but I agree with you. I don't think she's going to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else I liked is that the story was, there was a level, a level of ambiguity. I thought it wasn't clear. You you seem to think that it was. I, w I didn't think it was clear the degree to which she was actually a monster. I think we differ. She on our... certainly has. Sorry. No, I think we differ on our degrees. I think I, I didn't think it was clear. I just think I think it was clearer than what you think it is. Yeah, I just there was there was there was less objectively clear about what she had done. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, outside of maybe not giving a letter of reference to somebody, oh. and maybe then excluding them it was from more than that. Well, we don't. We, we don't do. know it. It's it's very subtle, and I thought that no. was good. We see the emails. Yeah, I don't think that 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 wasn't just not giving a reference. That was actively discouraging people from hiring her. Right. Yeah. But we don't we don't we don't know if it was because of the deterioration of a sexual relationship yeah. or because the woman in question was a shitty musician. Yeah. Like we just don't know that. Mm. Like ultimately, she holds all of these women to a very high standard mm -hmm. that they have to maintain. Like. Maybe she just didn't execute musically. Like, we just don't know that. Mm. 
the, the, I think the I think maybe Todd Field wants us to think that it's it's because they broke up mm-hmm. or because the, the, the sexual relationship went wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a, a chance it's not that. Mm. And I oh, think that, it's like being in court. It's like that. What's it? What is it called? The, the shadow of a doubt. Shadow of a doubt. Beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, the music and sound is I wrote here beautiful all the way through. It's moving, startling, moody, hallucinatory at times. Mm-hmm. There is a a cut where we're in a very quiet scene mm-hmm. and then she is just getting the orchestra going mm-hmm. and she's the, the the sound comes in so loud it startled me, me too. it elevated my heart rate i had me. a bit of a sweat going <laughs> i was worried the kids were gonna wake up yeah and i, I moved back on the couch yeah. oh like it actually like blows you backwards yeah and we have a really good sound system yeah we so that helped but... and um i thought that like all the way through the the, the, the decision to use Mahler as the the central figure and the um the sound effects as well like not only the music that's constantly being played and practiced but the sound effects it was all very 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 tight um i thought that uh todd field created excellent tension um especially in the scenes where she's exploring sort of in a semi semi sleepy state like i don't know if she's 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 being stirred awake by sounds she thinks mm-hmm. she's she can hear in the apartment mm-hmm. and then she's sort of padding around in this concrete and wood and glass very German. Beautiful. Very modern. Very yeah, German. Very, yeah. Um, you, yeah, you don't like it. I, I all I could think was that would make my back hurt walking on all that concrete yes, all the time. I, my plantar fasciitis would just be yeah. through the roof. Oh, oh, well, we are 80. Crunch <laughs> um, out the ballots, dear. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that um, the, the tension there and the tension when she's exploring the tenement. Uh, yes. When Olga sort of disappears into the bowels of like what it seems to be like an abandoned apartment building we need to explain who olga is olga is the 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 russian prodigy cellist cellist. that uh she's become infatuated yeah so olga lives in a tenement is the best descriptor she's she's staying she's um staying with friends like an artist commune or something like trying out for the orchestra so she hasn't gotten a real job or um salary yet so that's we're we're kind of follow follow her into a into where she lives and it's very tense yeah so i talked about set design um the apartment her office the one that she's kept the apartment in the other building that she she works out of the performance halls it was all beautifully lit beautifully shot Mm -hmm. um well well chosen i thought i liked long takes and there are Mm -hmm. several long unbroken takes including a tracking shot that sort of moves around inside a lecture hall Mm -hmm. that ends up being very central to what's going on and i think the thesis of the film is described there Mm -hmm. um Although, like, frankly, I don't know if I'm smart enough to have followed exactly what that thesis is. There's a lot of jargon and a lot of talk, mm-hmm. a lot of exposition. But that those scenes are really, really great. And I just thought there was a lot of small details, a lot of really specific choices that were made. And all of it was, exi- like, I just, I was very gripped by the whole thing. I mm-hmm. thought it was really, really good. Me too. Do you want to take a quick break and then we'll talk about what you didn't like? Okay. It's a okay. much shorter list. Oh, I'm glad. Okay, and we're back. We're back. Things you did not like, Matt. I only had one thing I didn't like, and it was that it was too long. Yeah. As always. As the as the wise and no longer on SNL Pete Davidson said, give me a short ass movie. Yeah. I, you know, it is I wrote a, it's a matter of perspective, right? It depends on whether or not you like Lydia Tar, mm-hmm. I think, and how much time you want to spend with her, how fascinated you are with her. Mm-hmm. Like, while it was a long movie, like, we started it and finished it. It was after midnight yesterday when we, we finally finished it. I don't think either one of us were, like, pissed off that the movie had run long. No. And we were in, fully engrossed in it the whole time. It was just, like, 
I would have rather gone to bed at 11. Yeah. Right. And it was, but like the, the question I would ask, and I'm not asking this in accusatory tone and I'm not, it's rhetorical, mm. but for any long movie, you generally ask yourself like, well, what would you cut? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would look in this movie to some of the dream sequences, like mm-hmm. they're, they're very brief. But they're also like totally unexplained. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it's her guilty conscience roiling around inside of her that gives her these visions. But there's a couple of things that are like fairly abstract that are taking place there that like without any explanation, mm-hmm. they just sort of exist in the film. Um, I thought everything with the neighbor in the apartment could have the old lady. That yeah. All of that whole storyline. I didn't think that if it's meaningful, it wasn't meaningful enough to keep it in. But that was interesting because, so she's, she's struggling. She's also, in addition to being a a conductor, she's trying to compose something. Mm -hmm. And we see that when it comes down to the blank page, she's actually like, has no clue what to do, Mm -hmm. right? She's really struggling to do it. And she becomes, she becomes convinced that she can hear like tones and those become like the baseline for the, the piece that she's going to conduct or compose. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that the tones she's hearing that she thinks she's hearing in her imagination her creative mind are actually the alarm bells of her invalid decrepit old lady neighbor mm-hmm. um and her like uh medic alert system mm-hmm. um anyway I, like i get yeah i think you could cut that mm-hmm. that storyline i don't know how much time that saves you and if that storyline's not there then we don't get the hilarious yes. uh scene at the door after the old lady dies and they're mm-hmm. thinking about showing the neighbor's apartment and she makes up the song with the accordion Mm -hmm. which was like quite funny Mm -hmm. um and there were a couple of other really funny things in this movie too Mm -hmm. um was there anything else you didn't like other things i didn't like mark strong i love mark strong as an actor Mm -hmm. i never understand why he wears wigs Mm -hmm. as a bald man myself Mm -hmm. i'm just i just think you know what just let the scalp show buddy Mm -hmm. like you look great Mm -hmm. why are you why are you under this like stringy ugly stupid wig mm-hmm. and uh, other than that and I, his character was a little amb- ambiguous too mm-hmm. like who he was he was some sort of competitor of hers um and an academic and you know wanting wanting very badly to to know her secrets and mm-hmm. how, why she's a great conductor and i guess he was a conductor as well yes that gets revealed sort of dramatically um no a moment no later i knew the... from the beginning he was a conductor when he was asking her for her notes on her score he was like i was listening to this recording that you made and oh this one part was so amazing how did you do it i was i i totally assumed and she wouldn't give it to him and i thought well she wouldn't not give it to him if he wasn't going to use it so no i knew from the beginning he was a a conductor but not i mean clearly not as good as her and she knew it yeah so honestly there's very little i don't like about this movie that's the end of matt's list yeah it's a short it's a short list and i my your thing was two things mine was one yeah case for best picture case for best picture um mesmerizing and i think will go down in history as a very memorable Mm -hmm. leading figure leading character um she's gonna go in the pantheon with hannibal lecter Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like this is an unforgettable character Mm -hmm. she's like it's like forrest gump in the sense that this might be what people remember the most from this movie year yes whereas like you know uh renee zellweger won for portraying judy garland uh, either last year or the year before, nobody, couldn't tell you. Nobody and, saw it, and nobody saw it, and it's it's forgotten the time, mm-hmm. right? Like nobody's having. Where's the? Have you had a water cooler conversation about no, Judy Garland? I have not. Um, but I think that this character will live on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's one of the reasons why I think this is very historically significant. Um, it's also beautifully crafted, shot and edited, 
uh, excellent score, tremendous music throughout. Mm -hmm. um, all the craft of filmmaking is very much on point here. I also thought it was very original. Mm -hmm. the, the story of a person um, suffering a fall mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe having their ruin come about mm -hmm. is has been done. Mm -hmm. So it's not original in that sense. But it's the manner, it's the circumstances and it's the manner in which it all comes together and the supporting characters and the primarily female cast. I thought just it made it all really work. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was really good. And um, it's also... Like the one of the only films I think that is like of the moment mm -hmm. right here and now there's actually mention it's at least tangential mention of COVID mm -hmm. right like we haven't been together she's saying mm -hmm. in two years and now here we're back in this hall practicing mm -hmm. together and we got to get it right and all the pressure that people were feeling and the New Yorker guy too says during COVID she yeah. put up um symphonies for free and people could stream them online yeah and he the hand sanitizer her. thing like yes. just, just people aren't wearing masks but otherwise it's it's very much of the moment so yes. i think this um not only would i say that like these are the reasons why it could be the best picture i'm gonna i'm gonna say it's at the top of my list what? right now it is at the top of my list it, it upsets or unseats women talking which i think is the second best of the movies that we've discussed so far mm -hmm. um and i was i was entertained i was not thrilled and um exhilarated the way that top gun was thrilling and exhilarating but this was no less entertaining um and you know we were we were paying very close attention and i i quite enjoyed it i really enjoyed it but i i'm not going to put it on the same level as top gun for entertainment value sorry <laughs> top gun has airplanes yeah this has a lady waving her arms around like fantastic acting but i'm, I'm not going to say it's the same as top gun i'm still pulling for top gun to win Come on, Academy, be brave. <laughs> Give something that everybody liked an award. Okay. Okay. So we have a little bit of time left here. So Matt and Matt has some questions. So I have a new section in the podcast. Matt asks Christina questions. <laughs> She's not ready for it. It's going to be great. All right. So question number one, is this a critique of woke culture or is it a quote unquote woke depiction of what a monster hiding in plain sight actually looks like? I'm going to go with the latter on that one. Yeah. I think that the... Just the timing of it in like, like when he would have been writing it. I think he thought, what if, I think that this storyline, I always try to, I, I don't know why my brain goes to these places, but I always think when I, when I watch something that I think is original, I think to myself like, oh, what, what, what where could this idea have come from? And I wonder if part of his thinking, even subconsciously was, what if Harvey Weinstein was a woman? Right. Let's make, and then from there, the idea blossoms, right? Like what, what if he was a woman and and how would society view it differently and his answer is not at all different well i mean differently in that she's not in jail but differently in that she her fall from grace mm, interesting mm -hmm. um I, I don't disagree with you mm -hmm. i don't think that the weinstein comparison is apt because he was he was raping people mm -hmm she could have been too we don't know we don't know that mm -hmm. right and i don't want to leap to that conclusion because i want to like her okay. so, <laughs> and at the end of the day like yeah. i i mm -hmm. yeah i i i uh you know watching somebody that's excellent at something do something excellent mm -hmm. that's what she's doing don't you think there are people in hollywood that felt that way about harvey weinstein that's why he got away with things i don't know because i don't i don't you're part of the know. problem matt <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna get edited out <laughs> okay um Next question. Okay. Quick one. Um, would 
What would you be looking for in a second viewing if we were to watch this again? The ghosts. So in the IMDb trivia, it talks about how there's a couple of times that you can actually see the ghosts of her ghost ghosts of her former lovers, like or or proteges, um, around her. And we, I, I mean, I missed it. There was one I caught like a flitting shadow and thought, did I imagine that? I'm so tired. But uh, there were apparently two other, at least two other times that we that I missed. Right. And I think you missed them too, right? Yeah. So if I was watching it again, that's what I'd watch for. What would you watch for? Uh, there's little musical Easter eggs. This is a little bit of a brag, but there was one point where she's boxing against a heavy bag and she actually goes right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, right. into the bag. And it was clearly an, um, an Easter egg for those that know music. That's why I, I think it would, I think the movie like really needs a second viewing. I think there's a lot happening. So Matt's trying to convince me to watch this movie a second time. Sorry for that quick break. We uh, ran out of time and and had to stop the recording and start it again. Uh, any other questions, Matt, before we say au revoir to Lydia Tar? Oh, I do want to mention. No, I'm not going to spoil that. I think it's interesting that uh, that isn't her real name. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Well, she's it's just, chosen something more pretentious. Well, so it's I, a stage name. Yeah, it's a stage name. And I just think like her, when, when you get that little glimpse of her growing up and her just... It's just so, and like the specific area of where she's from too, speaks to me. And I just thought, it, she's just so, she's such a character that is fully fleshed out. Like you can see someone from there doing that mm -hmm. to get to where she is. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Yeah, it was, she was interesting in the sense of like how wholly and totally focused she was. Mm -hmm. Like she has a gift, mm -hmm. certainly, but then has has mastered the craft, mm -hmm. has worked tirelessly at it. I thought that was interesting. Okay. Matt, Matt has a great last question to take us out on. Okay, best best line in the movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got three. One comes early on. It was, you cannot start without me, mm -hmm. in reference to how she keeps time. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole thing, music, conducting music is all about time. Mm -hmm. And she knows... She is the clock. The moment, yeah, she's the clock. The moment she starts, she knows when it'll finish. She knows everything in between. Mm -hmm. um, and she's going to be in control of it. Another one... Hi, Johanna. I'm Petra's father, she mm -hmm. says, um, which I thought was... Uh, to a bully of her daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and I'm paraphrasing this last one. Um, she's lecturing at Juilliard as a guest lecturer, I think. Mm -hmm. And she's um, asking the students who their influences are and who they like. And there's a young man who's trans transgendered, <clears throat> I think, or, mm -hmm. or something. And he's racialized and... She says, well, do, do you like Bach? And he says, no, because Bach was uh, a philanderer, a philanderer and... and German and white. And I can't really like somebody like that. And she says, after like trying to defend Bach, she says to him, if you want to prejudge someone based on their gender and ethnicity, you better be prepared for someone to do the same thing back to you. Mm -hmm. I thought was that was why I asked that initial question about whether or not this is a critique of woke culture. Mm -hmm. I think Lydia's definitely critical of woke culture, mm -hmm. but I think that's part of her portrayal as being a monster hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. I hope it does. Yeah. Um, so those are my three choices. Would you like to suggest which one of the three you like the best, or offer another one if you can think of one? Oh. You probably can't think of one. It's okay. I can't think you don't watch that. things the way I watch no. things. Um, they did have some really, really good lines in it though. If I had to pick, I would say the, the gender one, cause that's such an intense scene and it, it does come back to haunt her. And I, as she, as it's happening, I'm thinking 
someone's filming this. Yeah. Like, not just from a movie perspective. Someone is filming you saying this. Stop talking. Yeah, as teachers. Yeah. Like, every once so... in a while, I'll get on a rant in class and I'll think, oh, I should shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I should really stop talking. Not that I'm, like, deliberately being offensive or anything, but you just never know how things will be taken out of context. Yeah. Um, uh, if I had to, if I had to vote, I'd say that last one. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I thought that was an interesting. It's certainly one to sort of talk about later on, right? In the, in the context of thinking of, um, a Hannibal Lecter or Forrest Gump, you know, like they have, um, great lines, right? Hannibal Lecter saying to the seething, hissing to the, uh, the Senator, Hey, love the suit, for example. Um, and of course the fava beans and the Chianti, but, uh, and Forrest Gump, you know, they were my magic shoes or whatever like that. Those are, those are very famous lines. I think that you cannot start without me might mm -hmm. be the yeah, one that goes on a poster mm -hmm. later on. Right. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. So that's all I've got. Anything else from you? No, I think that's all. It was, it, this one was really, really good and very, uh, if we're going to Christina's two criteria for winning an Oscar for best picture, certainly achieved both mm -hmm. with flying colors. It was both very entertaining and certainly had something to say, even if you and I aren't a hundred percent sure or in agreement about what it was saying. Yeah. Don't be surprised if this one wins best picture. Okay. There's Matt's, Matt's prediction, everybody. So we only have Banshees left. Yep. Ben, I'm not, can I do it in an Irish accent? Oh. Banshees of Inishiran. <laughs> Matt, I'm not allowed to do Irish accents you during that podcast. You sound like a pirate. <laughs> Don't all Irish people sound like a pirate. No. No, <laughs> and we have a listener or listeners in Dublin. We who love just Dublin. offended and driven out. If they're we, still listening now, <laughs> we love Dublin. Ah, uh, we love all of our listeners. This is our longest podcast now, I think, too. Oh, great! Okay. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the whole thing. We're back with Banshees, and then there'll be a couple of episodes, I think, before the Oscars. So we'll see you then. All the best.